Hello there and welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited that you've taken time out of your day to listen to us. We certainly hope that you will grow closer to Christ, have a better understanding of who He is in the Bible, and that He would be glorified in the process. For more information about us, if you're new to the podcast, uh, please go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase, there is no S on the end. It's Biblical Question. You can also email us at the same uh, place here on our webpage at the Contact Us page. Uh, we get several emails a week, and we thank you for that. As our listener base continues to grow each week, and we have more and more people uh, across the world listening, more and more people in Europe are actually tuning in now, and we're excited about that as well. Today we're going to continue uh, number three, lesson number three in the series uh, out of the book of Revelation, chapter uh, two and three. We're looking at the seven churches uh, of uh, the book of Revelation. And I'd like to read Numbers chapter 31 before we get going too far. Numbers 31, verses 15 and 16. And Moses said to them, Have you spared all the women? Behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. So the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. A little background of this city before we uh, get too far into our podcast today. If you want to open your Bibles and follow along, I would encourage you to do so. You want to mark your Bibles at Hebrews chapter 4. And then turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. A little background again on, on this city. I kind of like to do this. It, it's the capital of this Roman providence. And therefore the center of, of emperor worship. This was uh, required at least once a year. Failure to do so meant you were being rebellious to the empire. They also worshipped a god... Uh, of those of healing power, which symbolized a, a serpent wrapped around a cross along with a large uh, temple to Zeus. This city is known for one of the greatest libraries in the world in its day and time, with over 200,000 scrolls within its wall. Today, this city is still around, and it is in modern-day Turkey. Who established this congregation is really unknown. So I'm going to say the Holy Spirit established it. The best guess, it would be a shoot-off of uh, the church in Ephesus, which Paul himself established. With the requirement of emperor worship, you can already begin to see the conflict already. As you drive around our neighborhood here uh, on, on Monday mornings, you will see that we have all these uh, garbage cans out along the curb. And it's one thing that we all have in common is that we all accumulate lots of trash and garbage. And we need to get rid of it. We need to get it out of our, our, our homes. We don't want that around to attract bugs or whatever. And so this is what Jesus is trying to tell the church in Pergnum. He is telling them that it is time to clean house. It is time to get the junk out of your life. It is time to repent and stop living like the rest of the world. 
Do you think this is a message that we still need today? <laughs> you bet we do. Many Christians uh, live such worldly lives, it's almost impossible to tell them apart from non-Christians. We're going to hear his message to, to the church in Pergamum. So, Revelation chapter 2, starting with verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamum write, These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You do not renounce your faith in me. Even the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who is put to death in your city where Satan lives. Who was Antipas? Uh, who knows? I mean, I know I don't. We really know enough about this person, however. Uh, we know his end. We know his faith, and we know his message. We, we know his refusal. We can guess at his suffering, and we know his influence. This unknown hero to us was known by the church there in that day and time. And this kind of goes back up what I've been trying to say off and on throughout this series, is these letters were written uh, to the churches in, in modern-day Turkey, but they would have known who this person was in their day and time. You know, all of this would be pretty much meaningless to them. If I got a letter in the mail and it had no meaning, I'd say, so what, and I'd probably throw it away. And that's probably what they would have done. My guess here is he must have been a, a strong person, a faithful witness who do not fear losing his life for the sake of the gospel. Do you think Jesus is being gentle here in his remarks here that we just read? Really, the answer probably would be very subjective. Uh, the important thing here is Jesus is talking straight to these people who has a problem. He has a problem with them. Why, why should Jesus call these people on the carpet, we might say? After all, it, it's only some other people and not the entire group. The sword here is used to judge and make war. This is not a sword for salvation. It's not the gospel. For, for example, again, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, if you had your Bible marked there. For the word of God is a living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. John, in, in a like manner, tells us this sword means judgment. Then The judgment is against these people who are teaching false doctrines here in verse 14. Some of the people are teaching Balaam in, in verse 15. We're going to read. And there was also the teaching by the Nicolodians. So, Verse 14 says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food, sacrificed to idols, and committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you have also had those who hold to the teachings of and the Nickelodeons. So, uh, Jesus is clear and stern in his warning to this church. I have a few things against you. The only thing I can think of is this. There has to be some kind of sin 
and, and remaining silent. In regard to the issue that at hand that Jesus has brought out into the light, discipline must have been lacking. You know, I, I studied with, with a, uh, a Muslim years ago, and he was really getting into our studies. I was really looking forward to them. And after about six months, he said, you know, I don't know if I could really be a Christian because Christians don't have discipline. And for the most part, he's really right, uh, sadly. And so he said Muslim faith had more discipline. Well, I, I mean, I was obviously very heartbroken. But we as Christians, we really do need to have discipline. And if you recall, Paul will rebuke the church in Corinth for overlooking a sin issue that has been noticed by the entire congregation. And that sin was a man was sleeping with basically would be his stepmother. Paul would note that this kind of activity is it's even frowned on by the people in the world that who are not Christians, pagans. And here's a church ignoring it, and by ignoring it, they're putting their stamp of approval on the situation. So what does Jesus mean by the teachings of Balaam? Well, if you recall the story of this man, he's in the Old Testament, and we read that in our scripture reading, so we want to go back and listen to that in the book of Numbers, chapter 31. You can do that. But he was a Jewish man uh, who was summoned by a foreign king. And, and the king tried to get Balaam to curse the Israelites with a bribe. But all God would do uh, would be to bless the people. So ba Balaam, he slowly injected uh, idolatry into Israel to get them to, to the people of Israel to leave God since God was not going to lead them. And his plan works, and his people, they, they fall into the trap. The next group that Jesus refers to is the Nickelodeons. Little, if, if anything, is really known about what exactly they, their teachings were, other than what they were doing was sinful. And again, I'm just guessing here from the context of the text that they would have come out of temple worship where they ate meat after the sacrifice was made to the idols, their false gods, and they practiced immorality as part of the worship as well. And this was not uncommon for the people in the Roman Empire in this day and time. This group, uh, too, would have uh, been trying to perhaps to blend their old beliefs into the teachings of the church as being okay. But consequently, or not trying to blend their old beliefs into the teachings of the church, they would have been leading the people away from God, just like Balaam. Notice here, uh, verse 16. Repent, therefore. And for people who... Uh, there's a t I listened to some guy the other day on his radio show, so you don't have to repent. Well, uh, Jesus is telling this group to repent. Change your ways, you know, change your heart. I love the things that God loves and reject the things that God rejects. Really, that's what repentance is. Anyway, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Verse 17, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, 
I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Does Jesus get mad here? I think he does, of course. I mean, the wrath of the Lamb will come upon uh, later in this letter. But his wrath is not one of a man, but rather one from God Almighty. It is the side and of which we should strive to avoid at all cost. There is a church here that is being warned that they need to make some changes in their ways of thinking. Otherwise, they're going to be suffering too. Notice again here in verse 17, Jesus uses the word hidden manna. The hidden manna is Jesus. In John chapter 6, verses 31 through 65, it's quite a lengthy, uh, 35, excuse me, uh, Jesus claims to be the true manna which came down from heaven. The saints were already being fed. The Christians were already being fed on this hidden manna. This promise assures them of a continued uh, sustaining feeding from Jesus. Now this white stone terminology is something they, they would have been able to relate to, but not necessarily us today. Let's just study out some history here. But the city was involved in mining of a white stone. A stone that was very much part of the Roman society as a reward or a symbol status. And here's an example. A white stone would have been given to a man who was tried and acquitted. Uh, another example could be given to a man who was a slave and then he was freed and made a citizen of Rome. It also was given to a winner of a contest to show that he had overcome, overcome uh, the opposition. It was given to warriors coming back from a victory of the battlefield. You see, so when you put these things together, you, you see the Christian. An acquittal from all of our sin. Freedom from sin and death. Acceptance by the King, Jesus himself. And the white stone could imply purity. Do you think the message to this church can apply to all of us today? Well, of course it does. We have so many false teachings in the world today, it's not even funny. And the reason we do is so many people don't read their Bibles and they don't study it. They just take for granted uh, what is being said as being true. And that's why, in reason, I really try to encourage all of you to open your Bible and follow along. That's why I encourage all of you to do a daily Bible readings and, and pray. The problem is some of these worldly teachings, teachings excuse me, uh, they have trickled into the church. We have people who do not believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. There are churches who hold the claim that the only uh, gospel account should be read and taught, only the four gospels. That the Old Testament is nothing more than made up stories. Therefore, we don't need the Old Testament at all. Well, listeners, I I'm here to tell you the Old Testament is very real, very factual. It is 100% true. Without the Old Testament, you and I would not know there's a God at all. We would not know the way he really thinks and how he reacts to things. 
probably the most important thing is we would not know about a coming of a Messiah. Some teach it's not biblical to help the poor and giving anything outside of other local congregation. I, I don't know how they come up with that. Others have walked away from uh, the biblical views of what baptism is really all about. Many people uh, have walked away that Jesus is God in the flesh. You know, when we walk away from the Bible, we're walking away from the greatest love book ever written. I personally cannot think of a single book in the Bible that does not warn against false teaching or false worship. And the consequences to everyone who accepts those false teachings. Notice what Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. With a clever trick, the snake fooled Eve. I'm afraid that your minds might be polluted too. You might leave the simplicity and the purity which is in Christ. Someone might come proclaiming another Jesus who is different from the Jesus we proclaimed to you. You welcome a different kind of spirit that you did not receive before. How can you put up with it so easily with a gospel that is different from the one that you accepted? And that's actually out of the plain English version. It's a little different version. I kind of thought it was different and bit it straight to the point. Jude, the little short letter right before the book of Revelation. Very, very short. You can read it in five minutes. It might take you a year to study it all through and understand it all. It's a really a deep letter. And then there's Second Peter. These are two leader, uh, letters Excuse me, I, I can think of off the top of my head where other inspired men warned against false doctrine. These men are not writing to the world with their warnings. They're writing to a saved body of Christ. They're writing to Christians. That should be a wake-up call. So, you see, it's just not John the Apostle in his letter to the seven churches. There had been a real threat to people's souls and to the well-being of these congregations. For these men to write in the first century uh, what they did and the warnings that they presented should tell us it doesn't matter where you're living and what time you're living after the cross, there's false teaching. And we need to be on the defense on that. Today, again, more than ever, we need to get back to the book. The entire book I call the Bible. We need to read it. We need to understand it. And we need to follow the truth set forth by God himself. Flush out all the other things that we've been taught. or Read the Word for yourself. Find a version of the Bible that you can, that you can read clearly and understand. And, and I'm not going to endorse one version over the other. You can go to your local Christian bookstore, at least here in the United States, and they will have a chart there. It will tell you how close to the original text, the Greek, is this Bible or the Hebrew? Uh, is it a word-for-word -word translation or is it a literal? And those things you need to know and understand 
And you need to read the preface of your Bible if you already have one. Again, more than ever today, we need to read the book. We all need to stick to the truth of the message. We also need to, to understand the message that God has left for us. And this is a message for all of us. There is hope of forgiveness and mercy. And Christ is giving uh, these churches the opportunity to repent. To him who overcomes should be a theme that we all know and live by. All of us. All of us have fallen short. And we all need to overcome. I don't see anywhere Jesus tells us to judge or condemn anyone. Jesus is simply stressing as firmly as he can. We need to heed the warnings Jesus tells his church. And to think that we're any better or any different than they are is a grave mistake. We need to, to know who Jesus is. If we're struggling with understanding some text, it's okay to ask somebody. But I would also pray about it and ask God to help you understand what the message is. Next week we will continue our series in the book of Revelation to the seven churches. And we're going to talk about the dangers of tolerance. It'll be verses 18 to 29. Maybe it's tolerance is okay or not. I pray that you've enjoyed and been edified and maybe have a better understanding, or different thought process than you ever had before with this series that we're doing and that you would continue to study uh, the Word of God. If you have any questions, we will do our best to answer them. You can submit your questions at biblicalquestion.com and go to the contact page there and you may uh, submit your questions. We, we get a few uh, a month, sometimes more than that, and we try to put them all together and make one podcast. Please, if you're a prayer warrior, please go to the webpage and go to the prayer request page. I realize it may not change dramatically from week to week, but if you haven't been there in a while, make sure that uh, it's you get the latest updates as we always add to that and take away from that as people request. Please continue to pray for us here that we can bring you good quality uh, truthful biblical uh, podcast through your prayers and your financial support we've been able to do our best we certainly hope that jesus is being glorified through this as he is the one speaking to these churches and that you have been edified may god bless you and we'll see you next week